That's what she said. That's what she said. That's what she said. That's what she said. Well, that's what she said. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of That's What She Said with Sarah Spain. Excited to be joined today by someone who I grew up with. Not literally, but watching on TV, Mr. Belding. Dennis Haskins. And I first met Dennis on the red carpet of the ESPY Awards, I want to say four years ago now, maybe three. And I was doing these quick hits for Instagram that I was calling ESPY Grams, these quick little videos. And I got him to sing the theme song of Saved by the Bell with me. And he was so happy. And I remember he was walking up on the red carpet. And I said to my camera person, I said, do you think he like cares that everyone still thinks of him as Mr. Belding? Do you think he's one of those people who is kind of over that side of his life and he'll be insulted if I ask him to sing the Saved by the Bell theme. And she was like, I don't know. We were kind of nervous about whether he would react poorly because there's a lot of celebs that are really not down with living in the past in terms of like old roles that they had, especially if it's someone that they're really associated with even years and, and decades later. But he was totally down and had a blast singing with me. I think he threatened me as someone who was probably in detention a lot, which I was not surprisingly. I was total kiss ass, but uh, it was fun. And then the Saved by the Bell pop-up restaurant, Saved by the Max, hit Chicago. And we started talking on Twitter about whether I was ever going to be out there when he was in town and doing appearances. So that was, we just met that one time, but he's a really fun Twitter follow. And I love to see people's reactions when they see that I interact with him or when he messages them or famous people who are like super excited to tweet with him. Um, so I thought he'd be a cool and fun guy to talk to. And there's so much nostalgia associated with the show that I feel like there's large swaths of people from all different generations who saw it like originally or in syndication or even recently um, all just want to hear what it was like. So skip the intro. We had a long talk and we'll just get to that. So here I am with Mr. Belding, Dennis Haskins. That's what she said. That's what she said. Happy to be joined by Dennis Haskins. Been a working actor since 1981. Multiple projects forthcoming. But of course, you know him best as Mr. Belding on Saved by the Bell. Still goes by that moniker on Twitter. And he is known to follow and interact and connect with people. And pretty much everybody that finds themselves on the receiving end of a tweet from Mr. Belding goes absolutely nuts. So, Dennis, what do you make of that still being so powerful? I mean, Lin-Manuel Miranda just tweeted the other day, you know, success hasn't changed me, but I'm friends with Mr. Belding now. So, Isn't that just amazing? I actually yeah. congratulated him on the Tony on Twitter, and he hit me back. And we had this Twitter exchange, and and the Twitterverse is like, more excited than I am, and I got chills right now. So, right. you know, I mean, Liz just the most prominent theater person going right now with Hamilton and and with all the other new things he's doing, and was at the Oscars. And I mean, he's he's it's just a wonderful thing. So, from having played Mr. Belding for eleven years live, and then been rerunning for the rest of my life, I mean, <laughs> uh, some pretty good things have come from it. And by the way. I started full-time acting in 1979. Wow, okay. Your IMDb goes back to 81. I so. Dukes of Hazard. Oh, okay. The very first one. Wow. That's, yes, I know. You know. That, now, that's back in the day. You weren't even born yet. I was not born yet. You've been working a long time. Um, and you Thank have God, been right? in a lot of stuff since Saved by the Bell. You know, see you in Mad Men and How I Met Your Mother. But obviously, 
Mr. Belding, partly because of syndication, partly because of nostalgia and the connection that people have to this character, is still so well known. And you use that as your Twitter name. You obviously embrace that role. You're not someone who wants to forget about your past or try to say you've moved on. Um, why do you think that you decided to be that way? Because there's certainly people who will look back at their best known role and sort of be annoyed if people try to still bring it up. Well, there's a long and a short answer, and I'll, I'll give you the medium of both. I, okay. <laughs> uh, I'm a fan of people, and I, being a fan of, of different sports people and actors and whatever, it, it, it takes courage to go up to somebody and say, hi. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you don't want somebody that you look up to, or you, maybe there's there's something about it that is kind of scary, or, you know, especially if you're a principal to people. Um, <laughs> I get these looks like, is it okay to say hi? And of course it is. But if if I would, like, deny somebody's joy, what kind of a jerk am I? You know, I mean, people come and say, hey, Mr. B, oh, Mr. B, Mr. Belding, you helped raise me. And and I'm going to say, no, 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 don't call me that. No, I'm going to say thank you over and over and over. And a shorter answer is one of my agents a long time ago said, you can either embrace this or run from it. It's, It's easy. It's. It's easier to embrace it, and I'm so glad I did. I was doing this silly karaoke CD a long time ago, and uh, my Twitter account was put online by somebody. And we went on as Dennis Haskins, and they said, well, you care if we put Mr. Belding? I think more people will recognize that. I said, no. And it's been such a joy. I mean, I, I really interact with a lot. I like people, you know. You met me because you like Saved by the Bell. Yes. You know, you and I reached out because of Saved by the Max in Chicago. I mean, That's it, right okay it's like a standing ovation every time somebody says that and like you said i've done other shows i'm on my way to new orleans to do a movie called trailer park shark and then to detroit to do another movie uh, independent movie and i'm working you know so it's uh i'm okay yeah that probably helps too yeah i mean if you're if you're still working i mean i i I completely agree with you i i think you know, I would never begin to say I understand the pitfalls or the difficulties of dealing with a character that somehow takes over your own life outside of the work. Um, but I do think it seems like a healthy approach to say if it brings other people so much joy and if you have a handle on on how to, you know, turn it on and off when you need to, then it seems like a better choice than to deny. Well, it's not like I was a know. killer on a soap opera or something. Right, right. No disrespect to soap I say that because a friend of mine who passed away, with Jim Rebhorn, was – and people would come up to him, and they weren't nice. Yeah. They didn't like who he played. They didn't like what he did on the show. And uh, he found he handled that really well. I'm I'm blessed in that I play a character, played a character that everybody loved, and is right. still love. And I I go to um, do personal appearances around the country. Um, I'll be I'll be in Memphis in late April. I, I'll be in back in Columbus, Ohio, three times in a row, maybe four. Uh, it minor league baseball. And the lines are as far <laughs> as you can see, people just wanting to say hello and tell me how much they love Saved by the Bell. That's not just me. That's Mark Paul, and that's Tiffany, and that's Mario, and Dustin, and everybody, you know. But I get to enjoy that love, and let's go, you know, come on. Yeah. What a, that'd be crazy. It just would be wrong to not. And there was great. never a time that you wanted to put it behind you. There was never even a stretch where you were like, ah, let's just lay off the Mr. Belding stuff for a while. Um. It's not that I, I wanted to lay off of it. Right after getting off the show, it was difficult to get auditions and opportunities yeah. because people only saw me as Mr. Belling. Now, I was uh, reverse Santa on New Girl on Fox. I, you know, 
like you said, uh, a bunch of other How I Met Your Mother, and a million ways to die in the West. Holy cow. I'm I'm in a movie with Seth MacFarlane, Charlize Theron, thank you very much, Mm -hmm. Neil Patrick Harris, all these amazing stars, and and they use a clip for me getting gored by a bull because it was, you know, I mean, it was funny, but what a what a gift to get. I, every day, for five days in a row, I got to go on set, and the first thing I got to say was, good morning, Seth. Good morning, yeah. Charlize. <laughs> and then we went to work. Yeah. I mean, and they paid me. Well, and gratitude, I think, is a choice. I mean, I, I was actually reading a study that talked about how there are certain people who are more naturally predisposed to be grateful. They have like centers in their brain that actually okay. allow them to more easily be thankful and happy and recognize when things are good. Um, but that you can work for it by making yourself consistently aware of what, what you have that's good by forcing yourself to send thank you notes to people or to, to acknowledge when people do nice things. Um, and it sounds to me as though you don't have to ever work for that gratitude for still working now or for things that happened in the past. Well, I, I wish you could go with me to a, to a, a signing or to a, a, a ballpark and, and see the love and the joy and the giddiness. And, and it's, it's wonderful. And, and well, I mean, we, we, I, I went to the saved by the max. You mentioned it's a pop-up diner here in Chicago that looks exactly like the max. They did a so fantastic exact, job. It shook me when I walked in the place right. because I, I mean, for you, for people, the memories. I was ready to go to work because it looked like the max. <laughs> yeah. And then of course it's, it's an exact replica. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, it looks exactly the same. The food's great, too. It's closing in May after a year run, and you came back a couple times. And, I mean, even going there without um, any of the cast members there, I wasn't lucky enough to end up there on any of the nights when the cast members came back. Um, You could just see, I mean, people, myself included, were just thrilled to feel as if they were a part of it. The show itself was only, like, four seasons. Now, with the new class, it was another six. But, I mean, it's pretty crazy that it was only, you know, 10 or 11 seasons, and now years and years later, people are still so into it. Good Morning Miss Bliss counts as 11, That's, if you want to count right. that, because it was earlier kind of version. They took four of the characters and, and recreated a new show, but bought the rights to characters. It's kind of an interesting little... Here's an interesting side note. Two years before that, they had done a pilot for Good Morning Miss Bliss with Haley Mills as the star, mm-hmm. with three other young actors who were kind of the Zack Slater Screech. And they were uh, um, Jaleel White, uh, hmm. Brian Austin Green, and Jonathan, <laughs> oh my goodness, from Sequest, DSV, Jonathan. Taylor Thomas? Uh, who? The guy from Home Improvement? or No, from Sequest, DSV. I can't oh. but anyway. Is he the one who passed away? He was in I mean, the Ladybugs movie? They had their own series. And um, it didn't work. Something happened with the chemistry of the writing or whatever. And two years later, we did this thing where the format didn't work. We're focusing on the adults. But when Brandon Tartikoff and Peter Ingle huddled up and said, you know, I think we could do this on Saturday morning. And, and Brandon's daughter was just turning three or four, and, uh, and he wanted to do a show for her that wasn't the coyote dropping an anvil on the roadrunner's head. He wanted right. to be able to laugh but get something out of it. And they said, let's take a chance, because Mark Paul kind of was like Ricky Schroeder back then, not Rick Schroeder. And let's let him, let's focus on him. They did kind of a Ferris Bueller take off on talking to the camera. And right. the rest is his. I mean, we did we did 20 shows and had a rap party. Then, and we also had a rap party for going Morning Miss Bliss. And then we went on and did X amount more. And the next thing you know, we've done 100 episodes. You know, yeah. and, and then I got to do 
six more years of the new class on Saturday morning because I was the thread that kind of kept everybody going. And Dustin yeah, when he came back from the college years. So, I mean, it's, you know, here we are on a sports show talking about Saved by the Bell. <laughs> well, we'll talk anything on my podcast. It'll be literally anything I find interesting. Uh, the Jonathan, jobs. Yes, by the way, Jonathan when Brandis. I first called in, and not Vince, not when Vince, somebody else answered, I said, hey, Dennis Haskins for Sarah. He goes, Sarah, Spain? <laughs> yeah, how many Sarahs you got running around there? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they should just know. But I, I'm the only Sarah that counts at ESPN. Like, I got to send a memo out or something. Um, okay. <laughs> you were talking about, Sorry. it was Jonathan Brandis you were thinking of, who unfortunately you, passed Jeff. away. Um, yeah, sadly. Yeah, yeah. We that's so interesting that, that was... they had those other actors that did go on to do other things in the mix. But um, I did watch Good Morning, Miss Bliss, and that was the original iteration of the show. And that became eventually Saved by the Bell. So take me back to that original audition for that show. It's actually, just a, I know it's a technicality, but it didn't become Saved by the Bell. What happened was that show was made with NBC and Disney for Disney. Right. And Haley Mills was a big Disney star, and I love Haley Mills to death. The Parent Trap is the best. Well, I just she's the only person I ever wrote a fan letter to as a kid, and then I got to work with her. I'm <laughs> oh, that's pretty, awesome. Pretty amazing. So that show was canceled. They bought the rights from Disney, and I ran into uh, Mr. Eisner a couple years later. Hey, I was on Saved by the Bell. He goes, don't remind me, because Disney sold the rights to, to Zach, Screech, Lisa, and Mr. Belding to NBC, and NBC created a new show based on those characters. So it wasn't, it wasn't, it didn't become that. Then when the show went into syndication, I don't mean to beat everybody to death with this, but when it went into syndication, they just retitled Good Morning, Miss Bliss and threw it in the mix to oh. get it to 100 episodes. But, you know, it is what it is. So tell me about that first audition for that Disney, the Disney version. Oh, my goodness. Um, I was doing a musical in Santa Monica, California, called Angry Housewives, a young lady who's a friend to this day called Joan Ryan was playing my wife in the show. She came to me one day and said, listen, I auditioned for this show. Uh, they're looking for a principal. I auditioned for the best friend for Haley Mills, and they've been looking for a guy who's black and about 50 as a character type, and they have decided to expand their search and just be, you know, 40s, 50s, whatever. So... I called somebody representing me and said, hey, hey, I heard about this role. And they go, you're not black and you're not 50. And I go, guess what? <laughs> They've changed the You can't take no from people that don't know what they're talking about. Right. So I got an audition. I went in, and there were two guys who were very broad comedians that did very well in town, and they were hey, waka, waka, whoa kind of guys. Mm-hmm. And I said to the producers, I said, listen, if you're looking for them, I don't think I'm your guy. <laughs> they literally said to me, we're off to a good start. So I'm just going to cut to the end. So seven auditions later. Oh, boy. I, were, I know. Once the network, you're not supposed to get to come back. But I called the exec. Say, hey, how'd I do? He said, we're going to bring you back. But he decided then to bring me. I, I did what would typically be wrong things, but for the right reasons, because I really thought I should play this part and, and didn't want to let go of it until there was, was no hope. And I uh, went back and auditioned and with Haley, and it just worked out. But, but I put my heart and soul into it. And... and but look at all the things that happened with the Joan Ryan telling me about a thing and the other my rep yeah. saying, no, you're not right for it. I go, well, guess what? They changed their minds. And then going in and saying, no, I'm not this type, but I'm that type. and Kind of shooting myself in the foot, maybe, but just knowing who I was. And then five times to the network, 
when nobody was picked, call the exec, which you're not supposed to do. And he says, that's when he decided to bring me back. And then two auditions later with Haley in front of the network, and then you get the job. I mean, it was my turn. You weren't going to throw away your shot, as Lynn would say. Oh, uh, uh, not away <laughs> my shot. shot. That's right. Uh, so <laughs> you, you had written a letter to Haley Mills as a kid, so obviously you're a huge fan, and then you get the Haley. chance to work with her. So was it everything you imagined it to be? Because we always say, don't meet your heroes. They're going to disappoint you. It was better. Wow. It was better because she's such a wonderful human being. And she didn't carry any ego about all of that. She just was. And, and she, and to this day, she's, she's still supportive and still in touch and, and ne- never says anything. I'm happy for it, but I'm happy for you. And, you know, those kinds of things. I mean, yeah. so you start out cool in the show. Yeah, I, I understand of... the, the reason I think they say is you don't want to meet your heroes is because what you and I talked about at the beginning right. about, embracing the character and some people don't some people we didn't get we did okay on the show but we didn't get rich and some people that get a lot of money don't necessarily handle celebrity well and they don't necessarily handle fans well and they they're abrupt or they don't sign things or don't talk to me now or whatever i don't do that so i think that that that's part of why they say don't meet your heroes because they don't always they let us down sometimes oh yeah a lot of them a lot, especially in the sports world, I think it can be tough. Um, yeah. They I get, get so, I mean, listen, so I famous and so rich and, as kids. You know, they don't develop a lot beyond the sports side of things sometimes. I mean, my, my buddy Charles Barkley said, I, I, you know, I, I, your parents should be your heroes. Don't make me your hero. But mm-hmm. but I see him do wonderful things for people all the time. I know there was some years that were kind of a little interesting. A little but, dicey, yeah. Yeah, but he's still a good guy. But he, yeah, he's always he's always authentic, and that's why that's why people love him, even when he says dumb things because he's real. Yeah, and, and, he, and he takes responsibility for it. Listen, if you don't want to know what Charles thinks, don't ask. <laughs> don't him. ask him. <laughs> and he exactly. doesn't have to remember what he said because he tells you the truth. Right. Right. You know, so uh, that's a good example. I'll take that. So when you uh, when you started the show, it was about the, the adults more, and then when it became Saved by the Bell, it was more focused on the kids. So now you're right. about 40 years old, and you're on a show with 12 and 15 and 16-year-olds. What was that like? Um, well, and, and that's a really good question, and here's why. It, it, was, <clears throat> it was different because <clears throat> on the other version, the Good Morning, Miss Bliss version, the, we had about half of, the, half of the show. The adults had half the show. But on the Saturday morning version, the first episode, I had two lines. And you get nervous about stuff like that. I had a <laughs> producer, Bob Caleri, said to me, do the best you can with those two lines. We're establishing the kids. And I did the best I could with those two lines, and I got laughs. And, and it, it, was, it was good because they, they knew, the writers knew they could count on me to deliver when they needed me to deliver. In rehearsal, in that first episode, I'll never forget sitting in the in Mr. Belling's office with Mark Paul Gosselaar, who played Zach, and the director took a break, and uh, I looked at Mark Paul, and I said, what do you think about this scene? And he thought I was kidding. I said, mm-hmm. no, nah. because well, to me, he was my fellow actor. Right. And I just decided to ask, you know, to give him the respect of being an equal, not me trying to teach him something. That was my thought process. And he told me what he thought about the scene, and it was good. And then I think that was the the seeds of, of the beginning of the relationship between Mr. Belding and the students that he, yeah, there's times when he had to, you know, stand up and say, you, 
got to go to detention. Or, but but and he wanted to be a big kid. He was always cutting up with him. But when it came down to it, he had their best interest at heart. And that relationship that Mark Paul and I started transferred to all the other actors. And you know, it was just it was they were good. They were actually good actors. They weren't just kids. You know, right? They've been working before and. It was my first series, so I didn't, I wasn't a know-it-all, but I mean, I knew what I was doing, but I learned a lot, and uh, we were in it together. It's interesting, because I think from afar, you sort of imagine older television stars to skew younger, to want to be younger, to play less mature, and perhaps on set to still be sort of wild childs. Not that, you know, my friends who are 40 aren't still out drinking and partying and whatever. So that's a normal thing at that age for anyone. But I particularly envision sort of an an actor kind of skewing younger. And then you envision the younger actors wanting to be older and wanting to I want you to say that different. An actor skewing younger? What do you mean by that? Well, like I'm trying to picture the the normal dynamic of a 40-year-old and a 16-year-old as seeming very far apart. But when I imagine the actor's lifestyle. I didn't see my 14-year-olds. Right. Well, I that's the thing is, like, I think they they would seem older because a lot of kid actors end up they're already working. You know, they're professionals. They're not in school. They're they're doing this job. They're getting paid. They're 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 having to be professionals. And then a lot of actors, I think, sometimes there's an there's an idea or a stereotype about um, wanting to be younger and having more wild Hollywood lifestyle. So you feel like they're closer uh, to mean, meeting in the middle. Yeah, parts of that are true um, to me. I mean, um, the kids on the show. Thankfully, it wasn't like uh, some of the other shows that were popular back then. I, there's one in particular I can't think of right now. It was a school setting. But all their actors were over 18 to play younger, so they didn't have to spend the time teaching them. Or well, like 902 them. and 0, they were like 40. <laughs> yeah, but there was one before that, that I, the right. really popular show that, that Howard Hessman was the teacher, and uh, I can't think of the show. But um, – it, it was very popular, but they were all older. But our kids were the ages they were playing, and the writing was for them to be the ages they were playing. So they had fun with them, and, they, and, they, and it was, listen, we had a message in every episode, but we hit you with a feather, not with a hammer. And by the way, 90210, uh, Tori Spelling, who I loved working with, one of her first jobs, if not her first job ever, was a Screech's girlfriend a long time ago. Mm-hmm. My mother and father came and sat in the audience to watch, just love and support. That's Aaron and Candy Spelling. Yeah. You know, Mr. Spelling was front row center watching his daughter act. And a year or two later, they created 90210, which was an older, ver- not an older version, but an older look at kids in high right. school, more serious subjects and stuff. But we were a comedy. You know, we were white to begin with. So I don't think it ever, We, as a matter of fact, we only had like Jesse on no dose was a big deal for us, you know. Yeah, I mean no dose. So, and it was a big deal to a lot of people watching the show. Uh, it was. Yeah. I mean, we played it serious, and things can happen, and the kids watched out for each other. I'm, uh, you know, listen. I'm very proud of the show. People can have fun with it all they want, but uh, I, I'm grateful and blessed, and I'm getting to talk to you today because of it. You know. <laughs> Well, you know, it's interesting because it seems like everybody coming out of the show comes out with that vibe of, of this was a great experience. And then there's Dustin Diamond. Um, and, you know, he's he's gone through some stuff. He went bankrupt. He was on a bunch of Celebrity Fit here. Club and Celebrity Boxing. I get into all the gory details. But and Dust, Big Brother. Dust, and- <laughs> when he was 12 years old, was on Good Morning, Miss Bliss, acting with actors that were 
two years older than him, maybe three years older than him. Right. In school, if you're in school and you're a, a sixth grader hanging out with eighth and ninth graders, are they going to want to hang out with you? Yeah, Especially if you're the, the, quote, nerd and they're the, the jocks and the cheerleaders and all that. I mean, it wasn't easy for him. But he, he dove into it and he did it. And they're, all their parents were there and stuff. And um, the, the actual character kind of caught it on the note, on the chin a lot, as well as Dustin, because he was younger. So whatever happened to him after he left, and he made choices, and he's dealing with the results of those choices. And he, he recently went on Dr. Oz and tried to apologize to everybody. And I don't, I don't know what's – but he was my buddy. And yeah. I tried to watch out for him. And, and to this day, I still reach out to him every once in a while. And, you know, Dustin's learning the hard way, but he, I hope he's learning. But, I, you know – uh, it is what it is. So he, I think that two to three year age difference made a big deal. And well, and like you, know, you said, you being do? portrayed as the nerd, it's going to be hard to kind of get your way well, out you of that. Up, character. You don't want to be considered. Yeah. You know, you want to whatever to it kid. is. You want your personal ego and your your self self worth and your your vision of yourself to be strong and positive. And he's being asked to play. The opposite, but here's an interesting thing. A lot of the fans that watched the show related more to Dustin or Screech than they did to the other kids mm -hmm. because they're not all chiseled out of stone, you know? I'm, you know what I'm talking I mean, that's just a phrase. Yeah. But, but, but what do you make of so I, I know you didn't... Go ahead. Until, until, you know, some of the other things happen. It kind of slowed down a little bit, but anyway. Well, because he wrote the book, Behind the Bell, and then... After it hit, uh, it was, was alleged. Uh, he, he alleges that he talked for an hour to somebody. Right, and, then and he claims the, now that it was mostly ghostwritten, and it was a lot of just trying to get salacious details out there. They made the lifetime I think movie. He needed the money, right? Somebody exactly. Somebody came to him with an idea. Go, sure, let's do a book. And, yeah, and, so it, it was know, sort of a money grab. But how did not, you? He's not as well, maybe, but he's not as invested in the preservation of Saved by the Bell as maybe some of the older kids, because maybe. I don't know. Maybe there was stuff that he wanted to get out. I don't. Right. I don't know what his reasons are. You got to ask him what his reasons are. Right. But it, it is what it, I, it's not the end of the world, and there are people dying from cancer, and you know, <laughs> it, it, one one, it, one guy's path who's trying to improve it and do better is is not everybody. But a lot of you did get together for the reunion with Fallon, and it, and there are a lot of you in the cast that have gone on to work on <clears throat> other things and speak super positively about your experience. So what was that like when you came together for that reunion in, in uh, just a couple of years ago? That actually Valley? happened. Yeah. Because, I mean, I have a chance to talk for a minute. When Jimmy Fallon was on Late Night with Jimmy Fallon, there was a year that the school I went to, the University of Tennessee Chattanooga basketball team, the Mocs, as you well know, uh, <laughs> were the last team in. And so the show adopted them as their Cinderella team. I didn't know about it on a Monday. Somebody called me on Tuesday morning and said, hey, Jimmy Fallon's talking about your school. I called my agent. And I said, hey, man, Jimmy's talking about my school. He goes, bro, I'm busy trying to get your work. And I thought, okay, that's <laughs> fine. I know how to do this. I hung up from my agent, who laughs about that to this day, and I called New York, NBC, and I said, hey, Jimmy Fallon show, please. Hold on. Then the lady answered the phone late night with Jimmy Fallon. I said, hi, Dennis Haskins, Mr. Belling from Saved by the Bell. I went to the University of Tennessee at Chattanooga. Hold on. Lady gets <laughs> on the phone and says, can you be here tomorrow? Wow. Literally. 
You beat them and you played basketball there, and you were a cheerleader, right? I walked on one-year ball, and I just graduated back in 2015. But so, <laughs> long story short, I went in as a surprise for the, for the for the mocks. The reaction was so big, I couldn't hear Jimmy 50 feet away. Oh wow! The, the uh, staff decided to do a reunion then, and I went back. By the way, I'm getting paid each time, uh, and then that reunion fell short because of. They couldn't get Tiffany, couldn't get Dustin for whatever reason. So they never let go of the idea. And they came out to L.A. to do at when Jimmy had the Tonight Show to begin with. And and he loves the show. And it's of like, course. And, and out here in L.A., they had the set. They had the actual set stored from the hallway. So wow. they, they coupled up, uh, Mark, you know, Zach and Kelly, they coupled up. Slater and Jesse, uh, but they were kind enough to me because it all kind of started with with my appearance on the show, uh, and and they because of Dustin, some Dustin was I think had some legal issues at the time, and Mark some personal health issues, and it was just easier not to include them, and and it was a secret. And when they had when when they had Tiffany and Mark Paul as as Zach and Kelly, which is what Mark Paul wanted to do, he wanted to do kind of a performance kind of tribute, not a just show up and stand in a row thing. Right. It, it it just went through the roof. We, we they had to let the word out after rehearsal because people already knew. But in in a couple of weeks, it was thirty four million views. Wow! Which is a testament to the writers, to uh, Mike DiCenzo and and the other writers that did this, but mostly Deech, who's Jimmy's one of Jimmy's top guys, uh, and the show, and the fans that love the show. I mean, that's a, there's your testament right there. Do you think there will be things like that 20, 30 years from now? Because, you know, the media landscape is so much more dissected now, and it's, it's all occurred, and you can watch it so many places. I mean, it's hard to have those communal moments where so many people are watching the same thing at the same time. We were already – the MTV generation, which it seems so long ago now, uh, was short blips. It was short – like every scene on our show, no show was uh, – no scene was longer than two minutes long. Mm-hmm. All the colors in the Max and in the Hollywood were bright and flashy to keep people's attention, but they were short. Now people's attention span is even shorter, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, Absolutely. and they want, and you, and you got much more. And thank God there was no TMZ then for us because <laughs> they don't always actually say exactly what's going on. I'm just, you know, they, they back back then they were lying a lot, and I can tell you about that, but that's another show. <laughs> um, and you just got to deal with it. So thank God they didn't have us as a target because they could have screwed things up for everybody. And and it and we really were what we were. There was a great group of young men and women and their principal and other guest stars and, and actors who came and joined us and people who came through there that, that you know, went on to other things. You know, Tara Reed's first job ever was on the new class, say by the Bell hmm. new class. Scott Wolf was an extra in the, in the school choir, uh, a featured extra in the school choir. I mean, everybody's got to start somewhere, and a lot of people came through our show. Yeah. Um, what's the coolest thing you got to do during the heyday of the show, back back when it was, you know, top peak fame? Go to the White House. Oh, um, wow. Really? There was uh, NBC, every network needs to have so many hours of children and family programming. It's FCC requirements. We were that for NBC, and 
NBC was going to lobby Congress for some reason. I don't know. So they invited Dustin and I, and they invited uh, uh, some a couple other kids from a couple other shows. And we get to go on, it's during the Clinton administration, and we got to go on a tour of the White House when nobody else was there. We had a private tour. And we're going through all these, it was just overwhelming, all the things. The sense of history is unreal. And we're, we're there, and we weren't going to get to go to the Oval Office. And then all of a sudden, they said, we're going to go, we're going to go by. The, oh, they said, the president has left the house. It was Hillary's birthday. He'd gone upstairs, so he wasn't in his office. And we go down this little narrow hallway. Uh, Vice, Vice President Gore was meeting with some, uh, I don't know, some other dignitary. We had to be quiet as we walked by his office. And they opened the door to the Oval Office from the hallway, and there's a theater rope, a crushed velvet rope across the door, so you can just look in. Mm-hmm. And the lady, I wish I could remember her name, uh, Mr. Clinton's assistant in the, in the, at the Oval Office, the African-American lady, took the rope down and said, come on in, <laughs> Sarah. Every American should have a chance to walk in the Oval Office. It it is an unbelievable feeling of history first, and then you think about how some people have screwed up and, and how power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Right. You know, I don't want to get into politics, but there's yeah. all of that <laughs> from different uh, parties and you know everybody. But it was. Unbelievable! Just be standing there where those two gold chairs were, and, and all of a sudden, Dustin disappeared. Screech has left the Oval Office. Oh, I didn't no. see Dustin, and I and he came back. And I and I said, Dustin, where'd you go? Dustin had buddied up with one of the uniformed Secret Service guards, and he told the guy, "I got to go to the bathroom." He didn't have to go to the bathroom, but he took him to the president's private bathroom and there's all uh, i said what was there he goes there's these books that thomas jefferson literally wrote that book that copy and (laughs) there were all these books i mean he was already he's always thinking outside the box you know it's just kind of crazy but that has to be and then another thing i was walking down the street in romania (laughs) almost 20 years ago doing a movie one of the first things I did after Saved by the Bell. And this guy looks at me. I'm walking towards him. And he looks at me, and he stops, and he goes, teacher? <laughs> and, and then he goes, principal. The first show that was American television they put on the air in Romania after the Ceausescu assassination was Saved by the Bell. Wow. Because it was safe. It was American kids in high school. It wasn't political. Yeah. It was, can you, I mean, how do you beat that? That's crazy. That's like the story of you know, right? Jordan. So every time Jordan I get getting to recognized in the like middle yourself, of nowhere, <laughs> you, you and I have a little history. We know each other before this, but we haven't really spoken. But when I get to talk about the show, and I remember how amazing and all the things we did, and, the, and the, you know, the things aren't so bad. Yeah. Who's the most surprising fan you had? Was there somebody that you that you wouldn't have thought would be on board, say by the bell? Uh, well, you know, Michael Jordan, uh, random Mike. Because of Charles, I got to know him a little bit later, but I was doing a thing, and uh, you you would, uh, would have loved this. His second game back from having played baseball mm-hmm. was in New Jersey. So I'm in the same hotel he's in, getting ready for his second game back, and elevator door opens, and there's Mike. I'm back <laughs> on Mike now, but my, there's Michael Jordan. 
<laughs> I ended up getting to do some of his golf tournaments. But uh, anyway, That's I'm awesome. looking at Michael Jordan. I said, dude, you ever watch Saved by the Bell? He goes, yeah. And the door closes. <laughs> Come on. Somebody pitch me. Oh, great. That's awesome. And President Clinton. I, I sent President Clinton, the, I believe, the only network TV thing he did was a tag at the end of one of our episodes about not smoking cigarettes or something like that. And uh, I sent a picture just randomly. I thought, I'll just, we didn't get to meet Chelsea. I know they, she liked the show. I autographed a Saved by the Bell picture and sent it to her. I got a letter back mm-hmm. saying thank you for your gift. I didn't realize they have to inventory every gift that right. comes in. Uh, or was supposed to. I don't know if it's still going on. But, uh, I mean, come on. I mean, I'm, I, I'm sure there's a lot of other circumstances that, that I, I tell you another great person I've met, young lady by the name of Allie Allen. She's 18 years old. She's a St. Jude patient. I met her thanks to Mr. Bobby Bones, who I met because of a friend of mine, Natalie Stovall, who's a great musician, invited me to a million dollar show for St. Jude. Allie Allen has brain cancer, inoperable brain cancer. And she is the brightest light in the universe when you're around her. It's unbelievable. So from presidents to someone on the street in Romania to Allie Allen and kids like her in hospitals all around the world, it's an amazing journey I've been on. And, and to get to, to know Allie and her family, Debbie and her dad, Eric, and her brother, Zach, <laughs> believe it or not, uh, and and to see what they go through. And I, there are literally times when I'll think, you know, I'll be not feeling good or, or whatever, and I'll think about Allie and go, well, she can handle what she's going through. I can handle this. And it gets me, keeps me going. Right. You know? Absolutely. So, yeah, it's it's, know. it's to, to be a part of something that is, you know, universally loved, I think, is, is a very unique position to be in. There's plenty of people that get, you know, momentary fame or, or great, you know, moments and peaks. But uh, I think there's something about the kind of show that ends up in massive syndication that then you have generation after generation rediscovering it. And we went to 87 countries around the world. What, what was your favorite team? What is your favorite team that you've ever seen or watched or followed? Oh, it's a, it's a toss-up now. It was always the Jordan-era 90s Bulls, but now the, the, this, this past year's Cubs are up there too. Well, okay, so both teams. Yeah. A lot of great athletes on those teams, and there's a lot of great athletes on, on a lot of teams. But with the Jordan Bulls, with Scottie Pippen, and, and with Steve Kerr, and, and with Ron Harper, Harp, those guys, when they played together, they elevated even higher than their individual abilities. Don't you agree? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was a chemistry that happens. Well, there's a, there was a chemistry that happened. Not well, Good morning, Miss Puss was, was pretty good, but when you got Mario and Mark Paul and uh, going after Tiffany, Zach and Slater going after Kelly, and they clicked, and, and Dustin chasing, uh, Screech chasing Lisa, and we had black, white, brown, yellow, and we never commented on race. We just, they were all friends, and they existed, and, they, and while it might have been some awkward moments, they, nobody was really mean to each other, and if they were, they apologized and made up. I mean, that, that team that I got to be part of. And it's kind of, it is kind of interesting that with the, the cast of seven people that sometimes people like people magazine will separate me and not even talk. I mean, it's like, <laughs> it really understand the chemistry of the whole team. Yeah. Well, it was the know, chemistry of the whole team. 
work. And and it just it just really it's like any kind of any kind of team that you're a fan of. We were a team, and and we'll always be a team. And to get back together and have that reaction from late night with Jimmy Fallon and thank you Jimmy and and Mike DiCenzo and everybody else uh, to have that happen <clears throat> is a blessing. It because you know it doesn't. They people try to put together teams. They buy talent. They they want to win a pennant. They want to get all this because they, they and it doesn't work because there's no chemistry. Well, your Jordan Bulls and your Cubs. Mm-hmm. I wonder why you picked those two being from Chicago. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and and our Saved by the Bell first edition was pretty special. You know, the new class was good. We had good good actors on there. They've gone on to other things, um, but there's there's only one first. You know, you know, you mentioned uh, you know people got mad and made up and whatever. It's interesting. It didn't really occur to me, but. Um, there's a lot of rumors about, you know, dating on the set and whatever. And when you're in high school, everything seems like the biggest deal in the world. So how do you deal yeah. with, you know, people Listen, that are going to have to work I, together I for to four years? All, and... Well, I used to more so than I do now. But it it's life and death, this emotional swing. Kids kill themselves over people being mean to them on the Internet. That's horrible. You know, I, I remember... In my first year in college, coming out of high school, there was a girl at the University of Tennessee, Knoxville, that I just was in awe of and couldn't get up the nerve to say hi to her. Mm-hmm. That happens all the time in high school. Or you'll, or you, you know, you're going for a state championship, or you're like Mario is a wrestler, and, and maybe you lose a big match. That it's crushing, you know. But somehow. You get through it, and you get through it with the help of your friends and with other people. I mean, I, and some of the basic rights and wrongs that we established on the show, you know, lying to your best friend and getting in trouble, trying to get into detention, and then she doesn't get it. Whatever happened, you wreck your principal's car, uh, <laughs> all those things that were kind of, oh, your, your dad loses his job, a.k.a. Kelly, and you can't go to the prom, so you and Zach figure out something else. Those things happen, and, and, it, and it's important. And what you, what you just said is important. It, it's Those kinds of things are important. So we kind of represented that for a lot of people and still do. Yeah. And what are you working on now? I saw your IMDb. There's a couple things in the works. Yeah. I'm. Uh, well, I had a, a premiere of a film I did, an independent film I did, called Taken Over in Detroit. That was a couple of weeks ago. I'm uh, going back to Detroit to work with the same production company to do another film, which I don't even know the title of right now. Um in the first week in April, but I'm on my way uh, to New Orleans to do a film down there um, for uh, some wonderful people making making movies. We're making movies. John Schneider, I told you I did the very first Dukes of Hazard. Yeah. John Schneider is in Louisiana with a production company. I, I'm not sure exactly where he is. I think he's near Shreveport. But he's got a production studio making movies. They're making a lot of movies in not only Louisiana, but Atlanta. They're making TV series that are successful and uh, uh, Florida is a great group. I mean, there's always in Minnesota and with the Guthrie and Louisville with the Actors Theater. I could go on and on. The cities all around the country. San Francisco Mime Troupe from back in the day, and and ACT Theater in San Francisco. There are people who have a passion for. The, I get chills again. I, <laughs> I I just I can't believe I even get to talk about this. We have found a way to chase our dreams. And whatever happens, some of us 
have had those dreams come true, and we're still on that journey. And it's our passion. It's what we love to do. And people, people have asked me all the time, what's one thing you can tell me? So whatever your dream is, try it. Because if you don't try it, you'll never know. And right. even if it doesn't lead to you doing that, it might lead you to what you're supposed to do. You know, it, it's kind of my flat tire theory of why I've, driving down the road, you got a flat tire. Well, you can curse that flat tire, or you can be grateful something worse didn't happen down the road because it took you a different way or changed your timing or something like that, you know. That's a good approach. I like that. Hey. Very good approach. I got a uh, bunch. I got a, you know, we'll write a book. Got, <laughs> yeah. Uh, before I let you go, you know what time it is. What time is it? Spanish Inquisition. Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. That's right. Nobody expects it, including you. These are the questions uh, that I ask all of my I'm podcast guests. I'm going to get an Inquisition. Let's go. Yes. Come on, this will be fun. Yes. All right. Number one, the natural talent you wish you were gifted with. A better basketball player. Yeah, you wanted to play at UT, right? And that's why you ended up at Chattanooga because you, you couldn't make the team I at UT. I walked on at Knoxville and made it one night. They cut me the next day, and I went down to Chattanooga, oh. walked on, and I played for one year. But you know, I, there was some guy. I just there was a guy named Joey Theobald in high school that was six five and unbelievable. I wish I had his basketball skills, but you know, I wouldn't be what I am today. So anyway, that's true. Uh, flat tire theory. Uh, number two, what's your desert island album? You can only have one. Right off the top of my head, it's Allman Brothers, uh, because uh, back in the late 70s, I, a friend of mine who I met through Chattanooga, Sun Tunnel Company in Daytona Beach, Florida, and he goes, hey, I'm on the road with Greg Allman. I go, yeah, right, Paul, sure you are. Well, the Allman Brothers are broken up, and Greg, who I had met several times because of my music business connections, was wanted to play, and he's playing with a band called Mama's Pride out of St. Louis, and Paul says, well, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure how to handle all this. So we put together a three-act tour, and for like, 35 dates, I got to be on the road with no Greg way. Allman and every what night you, with him. What did you play? And, and, Guitar? Uh, just, um, you know, it was unbelievable. So I, I it, it's got to be Allman, brother. Were you on guitar? No, no, no. I was the, I was the road manager. Oh, uh, awesome. And I helped Greg go to the stage. And I, we did a, we so did cool. a bunch of stuff. It was it was uh, a guy named David Cloud out of St. Louis helped a lot. Um there were, we played a lot of different ballrooms. He got gigs, I got gigs, and we did different production aspects of it. And we just decided we were going to go play and have fun, and we did. That's I mean, awesome. it was. And as we're doing this, I, I sometimes I don't real. I just can't believe how lucky I am. because the guys have broken up over a situation that I want to get into. But uh, as we're doing this, Dickie started calling, and, and Butch, God bless him, he just passed away. He started calling. And they decided to reunite, and I literally watched the Allman Brothers reunite right before my very eyes in 19, I think it was 79, and they went on and played together until like a year and a half ago. They they just stopped the band. Uh, everybody did their own projects, but Greg's still playing it. But there you go. It's got to be Allman Brothers, don't you think? So, like sure. Sweet Melissa? I oh, mean, come on. Yeah. Some good Allman Brothers. I haven't listened to them in a while. i got to get back to it. You see, I wouldn't want to be listening to Sade by myself. You'd have no, to listen to Sade with somebody, that's right? That's true. That is true. Uh, number <laughs> three, if you could uh, if you could switch lives with someone for a day, who would it be? Oh, man. I don't know if I'd switch. You know? Uh, just for a day? You wouldn't be interested just to see what it's like? Um, who would I switch, switch lives with? Well, I, here's another first thought. I've gotten to know Lindsey Vaughn a little bit. Mm-hmm. And Lindsey, Lindsey is, 
has been the best female skier in the world. And I think I'd want to know what it feels like to go down hill going that, but I would never do it because I'm scared <laughs> to death. But that, that I think, to be able to ski like that and to have that kind of control and 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 lack of fear and, and athleticism, and, I don't know, I, I think maybe that or... or uh, That's a good one. Or, yeah, or maybe go back in history to one of the founding fathers and to have been alive in that time. You've been to Boston. I mean, you yeah. go to my first time ever in Boston. I was brought in to do a charity event for the Jimmy Fund and, and something else. And I look out the window and I went, wait a minute, I'm in Boston. You know, <laughs> I mean, all the history and the the one is by land, two is by sea, the North End Church and, and, and the the all just the, the Freedom Trail ends there and old Ironsides and I mean anyway I, I but I digress <laughs> number four what's the most scared you've ever been oh wait but I, before I do that who would you switch places with for a day oh I haven't answered this I don't know it's, I know it's well, that, a, guess what it's a da, 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 da. it's a nobody escapes the Inquisition uh I think it would be, you know, I always wanted to be a, a rock star, like a, a, a musician performer. So okay. I think it'd be cool to be like Beyonce for a day. Yeah. Command a whole stadium of people. Isn't that something? Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So most scared I've ever been. Uh, yeah. I was pretty scared one time. I got to fly with the Blue Angels. And it's the idea of it scared me to death, but the honor of it overcame the, the fear. So as scared as I was, I went ahead and got in that jet, and uh, I'm so glad I did. It was pretty amazing. But, uh, I, I don't know. There have been some situations that I've survived <laughs> that I don't know how I got out of them, but anyway. Fear is fear, real. Anxiety is real. Whatever it is, that stuff, man, it can paralyze you. Yeah. And to live through, safely live through a fearful situation where some people don't, um, it just wasn't your turn, and you learn, you grow from it. So, oh, man, that kind of took the yeah. breath out of me. That's Changes your perspective, for sure, yeah. Yeah, oh, for sure. Um, Listen, I, I really am grateful for I, Would I like to have things be, I'd like to be on another, there's things I'd like, like to be on another series. I, you know, we all have financial pressures, and uh, but when I look at all I've got, when I think about Allie Allen, when I think about all the, you know, things I've gotten to do, and the Blue Angels, and, being in a room all around doing USO tours and things like that, right. I'm pretty darn lucky. So, yeah, yeah I don't know that, you know, I don't know. If, and my dad, and let me, can I show, I know about, you need to wrap this up. <laughs> I, I was, I never, my dad passed away a few years ago and I never lied to him. I always told him the truth. I was telling him about a, a situation I wasn't real proud of, but, but I needed to share it with him. And he said something to me that I want to share with you guys. He said, how, how do you feel about how you are right now? And I, because I, you know, I was embarrassed by what I was telling him. And I said, uh, I feel, well, I'm okay. Are you okay with who you are right now? I said, yeah. Yeah, I guess I am. He goes, then you can't regret what got you there. Mm-hmm. Because everything you go through, whether it's fear or whether it's, you, you, and by the way, nobody ever fails when they try something. If it doesn't work out, you learn something that takes you in another direction. That's the flat tire theory. You learn whatever else is next, you know, you're on to something else. But whatever you went through in your life got you to where you are. So I don't know if I would trade. I'm, yeah. you know, hmm. pretty, 
pretty lucky that guy. That brings me to my, uh, to my next one, which is what habit or quality do you think has contributed most to your success? Um, I guess my determination. I, uh, when I went to – life's a series of connect the dots. You make a choice as a dot. You make another choice as a dot. And look back, you connect them all. That's your life path. I wanted to – my high school coach, basketball coach, uh, good guy, but he didn't know my full potential. But I believed I had more to give than he understood. So I went to Duke's basketball camps, went to Vic Bubis' basketball camps, whatever. I, I convinced uh, – Stu Aberdeen, who passed away, he was a Marshall coach, but he was the freshman coach at UT Knoxville. At, at Knoxville, UT, I convinced him to let me walk on, and I didn't make it. I, I, I got, I got there, gave everything I had, and you know, it led to me going to Chattanooga, and that coach Ford let me walk on there, and then he put me in a theater course, and that led me to that. I mean, I, I honestly, I forgot what your question was, but <laughs> the what, what uh, habit me? or quality that contributed to your success. You said determination, well, continuing maybe? to push forward and continuing. Like I knew I wasn't the best basketball player on the team, but I, I wanted to be there and I pushed hard to do it. And I was willing to put up with people either calling me names or making fun of me or, or, or whatever. I, you know, I was willing to do all that. And, and I always wanted to act and, and the music business might distract me, but I never gave up on it. And I was even from stopping at my agent's office when I'm on the road with Greg Allman to send me out to Dukes. And I did the first Dukes. I had like a two line part. I realized at a point when I finally went to California that I didn't really know how to act. I knew how to do some parts, but I didn't know how to create enough parts to, to make a living or to be a, to be a well-rounded actor. And that was pretty scary to learn that you, the thing you love, and you want to do, you don't really know how to do. So I, I went and studied. I, I, I put, I was pretty scared up in front of Joan Darling's class when she was telling me the things I'd done wrong and then helped me figure out how to do them right. But I never give up. And I, here, so this is, I hope this is a way to end out. I told myself a long time ago that it is true that Jimmy Stewart and Henry Fonda were roommates. Marlon Brando had Wally Cox as a roommate. They might have had other roommates, but those people gave up, and we don't know about them. As long as you don't give up and you're still in the game, and that's yeah. probably the best quality I have. You just, once you get knocked down, you've got to get back up. It might take an extra couple of days, but you've got to get back up. got to get back on that horse. All right, last two. Think about yourself you'd most like to improve. Thing about myself, I most like to improve. Uh, wow, that's interesting. Well, I'd always like to be a better person. Always like to hope that I can learn and grow, and never say the wrong thing to somebody because it actually takes more out of you than it does out of the other person you're saying something to. Uh, I think, uh, golly, I wish I was in better shape. You know, I mean, I just <laughs> lost about 60, 70 pounds. But Congrats. I got back going for it again, you know, but that, that I, don't, I don't know, is that, is that an answer? What, what, That's an answer? Question? Yeah, last one. What three words do you hope people would use to describe you? Oh, man. Kind. Generous. 
I'll let you fill in the last Consider it. Right. Grateful. He's a good soul. Yeah. Awesome. Well, so nice chatting with you. And if you do end up back at Saved by the Max before it closes, I hope I'm hey, around. By the way, can we just talk? What happened the other day on Around the Horn when you were winning <laughs> and Kate pulled some Trump card out? What was that? So we do the Around the Horn Bracket Challenge. I was not on the show yet, I think, to do it last year, but Kate won the whole Bracket Challenge on the show. So she got three uneliminations, and she had forgotten to use them. So she uneliminated herself, which means whoever was the next to go had got bumped. So but if you didn't get I'm the opportunity to have an unelimination card, <laughs> then that's, not, that's a technical foul. I know. Uh, I'm going to get her back. Reality. I'm planning my revenge. Well, I'll get to have my boy Tony. <laughs> uh, so nice talking to you. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and yeah, hopefully I'll see you at Saved by the Max. Yeah, I'll see you one day. Oh, and another thing. Yeah, so just quickly, we've talked a lot about LeVar Ball on Izzy in Spain and even on the trifecta. He's, of course, the father of UCLA player Lonzo Ball. And he's been hot taking up a storm saying that his son is better than Steph Curry already. You know, he wants billion-dollar shoe deals for his three sons, none of whom are even professional yet. Um, But now he's really crossed the line. He did an interview with USA Today Sports, and he said, quote, Back in my heyday, I would kill Michael Jordan one-on-one. I would just back Jordan in and lift him off the ground and call a foul every time he fouls me when I do a jump hook to the right or the left. He cannot stop me one-on-one. He better make every shot because he can't go around me. He's not fast enough, and he can only make so many shots outside before I make every bucket under the rim. Okay, so Michael Jordan, obviously, the greatest basketball of all time. Potentially the greatest athlete of all time. Um, The GOAT. And this dude, who is tall at least, he was like he's 6'7 or 6'6 or something, and he played basketball in college, but he only played at Washington State, where he averaged two points a game. And then he transferred to a Division II program. And he was all-conference in Division II. Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player of all time, if I didn't mention that before, and potentially one of the greatest athletes of all time. So this dude who was already being questioned for his many outlandish statements about his son, has now, for the rest of his life, challenged any credibility in anything he says. I no longer trust his opinion on anything. He could tell me that there's a good pizza joint near UCLA, and I wouldn't believe that even. So he really he was way ahead of himself before, and he should have stopped himself before saying his son was better than Curry. should have stopped himself before, you know, a number of things. This time... It's over for LeVar Ball. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't even know what else to say about that except for MJ's the greatest. Thanks, as always, for lasting an hour with me. That's what she said.